Hey, music lovers, the Cannamom Show podcast in collaboration with Lambkin Guitars is giving away a custom-built, one-of-a-kind electric guitar built by Josh Lampkin. The solid one-piece hemp wood body includes a built-in glass bowl piece. Yeah, you heard me right. You can take a hit and then play a lick. Now's your chance to help the Cannamom Show crush cannabis stigma with your entry. Register for the Hemp Guitar Giveaway online at lampkinguitars.com. That's L-A-M-K-I-N guitars.com. The drawing will be part of a 420 celebration at the Goods Dispensary in Somerville, Massachusetts, where the guitar is on display for the month of April. But don't worry, you don't have to live in Mass or be present to win. Visit LampkinGuitars.com to scope out the Hemp Guitar giveaway details and entry form. You'll even find a video of what could be your guitar in action. L-A-M-K-I-N Guitars.com Happy Easter, everybody. We have got a wonderful cannabis legalization news for you. We're going to really dive into New Mexico cannabis licenses. These will be New Mexico cannabis business licenses. It's going to become a thriving market over the next few years. If you're into social equity, also going to want to tune in. Uh, the the conversation we're going to have is with NM Canacast. They're a cool podcast. Don't forget to check them out. But we're going to really highlight a lot of discrepancies as the states are evolving uh, and legalizing cannabis. So remember, again, you can't get into this industry unless you're 21. Also why we had the bumper, but let's get into it, okay? What's up, everybody? How's it going? Thanks right for on. Yeah. So New Mexico Canacast uh, or NM Canacast, a uh, podcast centralized in New Mexico regarding the industry in New Mexico. Um, how did that come about, Chad? So uh, Josh and I have been uh, longtime advocates in the state of New Mexico since about 2013. And that's actually when him and I met. We met at, uh, when he was working at a grocery store. And um, we just got really fed up with the way that the program was going. I'm a veteran myself, and I really wanted something to better the vet- veterans. And Josh, you know, he just got really discriminated against, and he can tell you himself, you know, here in a minute um, about what happened to him. And we just really started to fight, you know, just on, on the boots on the ground and everything. Um, we started going to meetings. We started going to Santa Fe. And we really got into deep into it. Um, we were, we've been advocates for many years. You know, we did it on the, the front, like I said, for about seven years before we stepped down and really focused on our growing because we've been growing on the side um, with that. And then once um, I got off social media for a while, Josh brought me back and he said, "Hey, bro, we're gonna start a we're gonna start a podcast. So I need you back on the on the social media." So we decided to use the the following and everything that had all the information we gathered through the years, and just decided to create this you know awesome podcast that it's just been a yeah. journey. I did that to Miggy about three years ago. Remember what I said, Miggy? I'm like, "Hey, Miggy, what are you doing?" <laughs> yeah, I give this guy my lunch. <laughs> <laughs> Josh, how did you get involved? Um, I got involved in the medical cannabis program uh, in a unique way. Uh, I was, uh, before the medical world, I was on the other side of it. Um, I just started growing because I was tired of paying for it. Uh, So, but then I got in the medical side of it uh, through my grandmother, actually. She uh, was diagnosed with uh, lung cancer. And so I was going to a dispensary. I I was four months into the medical program. 
and it was the most horrible cannabis I ever had in my life. So I was thinking if grandma didn't have, you know, me to help her out, help her out with the, you know what I mean? The growing and, and the, you know, just the, the uh, connections and stuff on the other market, what would they do? And I would, and so I went in and I took a letter to the dispensary real nice. I come from a, a management background. So I was real nice about it and just said it wasn't up to medical grade. And, uh, you know, here's some things to improve it. And they gave me a, a letter, right to, re, uh, right to refuse service. And the closest dispensary at the time was 187 miles away. Whoa. So, you couldn't, wow. you had to drive 187 miles in the desert to access medicine. And then were you allowed to use the medicine or did you have to drive another 187 miles, you know, uphill both ways uh, to get back to where you could actually use your medicine? Uh, yes, yes. I was driving back. Uh, you know, I'd have to drive back one, yeah, one way. You know what I mean? Both ways to get it. And then I just thought, you know, my grandmother was seventy nine years old. She wouldn't have access to any of the, uh, you know, allegedly the other, uh, the legacy market or the black market. You know what I mean? Or just people growing or that network. And so I was really frustrated because that's how I kind of took it. it. Was like, you know, these these elderly people are using medical cannabis, and if they're using this stuff, and it was a terrible, it was just terrible. Great, you know what I mean? Great. I, I was just outraged and then that I could be denied service and then I'd have to go, you know, pretty much 200 miles to get cannabis. So I started getting involved on the advocacy, uh, advocate side, uh, going to Santa Fe. And then I would bring my two letters. I would show them. I'd be like, this letter got me the second. And the lawmakers were astonished there. They couldn't believe that I was treated that way. And so, yeah. And then I was a rural patient, so we didn't have no access. So I just started, a. Getting involved in that, uh, I was the president of the largest patient advocacy group in New Mexico for about seven years. Uh, I've won multiple awards growing in the state, and uh, just very blessed to be in it. And just, I, I you know, I would, what all yeah. happened happened for a reason. <laughs> and then you guys brought along Shannon for the cast. Is that how that worked out? Yeah, Shannon uh, met Shannon uh, what, four years ago, five years ago now. Shannon, a while. Uh, so we let, right. yeah, yeah, Shannon, you throw it down. You let us. I'll go ahead and take over there, guys. Uh, thank you. No, I'm just kidding. Um, you know, these guys have been really great to me. I met them when I started, <clears throat> excuse me, up in the business and started looking at how I could invest in the industry. Um, and I don't know what happened here, but I can't really see if uh, if you guys can see me here. Okay, there oh, yeah, so I put you on a solo shot so you can introduce yourself. There you That's go. All. There you go. Well, so when I met you guys, I don't think you guys remember Chad and Josh. My aunt had has she still has multiple sclerosis. She was growing in the Las Cruces area. I was starting up a business, and they pointed me toward uh, Chad and Josh out there on that side of the state. I'm in Albuquerque. Um, and wow. I have an ancillary company helping people to get jobs. So this uh, photo behind me is actually uh, an event that I threw out in the Las Cruces area. And Chad really did help me uh, to help a lot of people to look into the business and to start up. Um, I'm known for helping people to hire good people uh, for this industry and to, for credentialing. We were the first group to help credential. And these guys showed up and, and took our classes. And from there, when I ran into them again after the pandemic, because see, we hadn't seen each other for a couple of years, they were like, we're just going to be honest with you. We, we need some... Uh, somebody to carry the, the female voice and we know you have good ideas and let's do this. And so here I am and I'm, I'm happy to meet both of you. Nice. Great. Yeah. Well, you know, Mickey and I have been doing this for uh, a few years now for uh, my, mostly this is marketing for my company and my, my law practice and consulting practice. And, and, and I've helped people in, in New Mexico and all these other States, which is really wonderful that YouTube can bring people together. 
Uh, and it would be great if uh, activists like ourselves could change a, a law that has been on the books um, for no real good reason uh, other than lies. Uh, and anybody inside the industry knows that anybody outside the industry might not hear it because, you know, there's impediments to trying to get the message out. However, like I've been very impressed with how New Mexico has regulated not just access for entrepreneurs to get into business, but also has uh, said that they're going to you know, still approach the social equity concerns when it comes to the plans the business is going to take and then also the tax dollars. Um, well, let's see, who should I ask the question? Uh, Chad, it sounded like you had been an activist for many years. Um, how did the New Mexico cannabis regulatory landscape uh, get shaped and why has it turned into this open market yet social equity conscious market? You know, that's a good question. And uh, it really boils down to um, our medical cannabis program was one of the most restrictive cannabis programs in the nation. Um, not as bad as Texas is these days, <laughs> um, but in the early days, um, we were the most restrictive. You know, uh, you couldn't share cannabis you couldn't uh, grow without a license. Um, you had to get a special license from the state to even grow. Um, you couldn't um, grow for someone else or even, you know, give them a part of your harvest. You couldn't even share a duty. Like if me and Josh were sitting here smoking and I gave him a duty to smoke, that was illegal. Um, so I think the state really boiled down to the mistakes that we made on the medical side and also the mistakes that the other states made because Josh and I, and even Shannon, uh, we all try to make it very clear to the state and the legislators that we need to not do what these other states have done, especially like California, because uh, they really just drop the ball. Because, you know, here in New Mexico, we tend to, to go look at California and uh, Colorado when we make our laws. Um, and so we really wanted to avoid that when they were making the laws. Like, no, do not do what California is doing on this. Please do not. Um, and, and they did actually take a lot of innovative steps. Well, let's let's unpack that because like we we broadcast and like we're trying to influence as many uh, new states as we can. And as states that have already legalized and all of our states have from Illinois to Washington to New Mexico, uh, we should advise other states like don't do that or do it this way. You know, like and and, you know, uh, with Illinois, they did this competitive uh, merit based limited market style. And that has been just log jammed in a lawsuit for the past two years. How is uh, and then so let's let's ask Josh and Josh, how has New Mexico approached their licensing regime? Uh, they went wide open. Uh, I, I actually uh, was in Oklahoma for a year, actually, with a commercial license with my family. And uh, they, they did that similar. You know, they kind of went wide open with it. Uh, it was real surprising because how restrictive the medical program was. Uh, it will be more restrictive than Oklahoma, though, because of the water rights that are written in, in, in the in the legislation. And um, so that, you know what I mean? That makes it a little more difficult in New Mexico because in Oklahoma, everybody's got water. Uh, here, here in New Mexico, yeah. you have to have a certain type of water rights to grow on a commercial, which is greenhouse, uh, you know, or indoor. And then you have to have an agricultural water right to, or irrigation water rights, actually, to grow an outdoor just in the ground. Oh, wow. So. Those, those you have to pass, you know. So we have a little more – we have a few more hurdles than, you know, Oklahoma. You know, pretty much $3,000, get an unlimited plants. Uh, that's another thing that we have here to kind of to kind of tamper the Wild West is the uh, plant uh, you pay per plant. We pay $5 per plant uh, per year for a, like a plant fee. Wow. So on, on, top, on top of the license fee. 
So, so if I get 5.2 turns per year for our harvest, whatever, because I'm doing a, a, a perpetual indoor cycle, uh, I got to pay 5.2 times five per plant. So like each time I'm going to run a harvest, Shannon, it looks like you're nodding your head. Is that is that how does the five dollar per plant work uh, tax work? Well, you know what? I was actually nodding my head and answering the excise tax that I saw pop up. I'm just going to be completely honest with you. Josh is a better uh, answer for that per plant deal. He's he's he can answer that better than I can. Then what's, then what's the tax there? What's that tax? 12% plus the gross receipts tax, depending on which county or city you're in, right? So Albuquerque, we're up to tw- about 19 and a half tax, about 20% tax on, on for commercial or adult use. And just let everybody know, Shannon lives three hours north from Josh and I. <laughs> <laughs> but like with that, that $5 plant fee, like is it, say you have 100 plants in your crop, so you're paying $500 on top of the tax okay. you pay? Uh, so so what, what, it, what it comes down to is, uh, and the way we do it, we talk about just flowering, right? Flowering is the only number we count. So say you have 1,000 plants, uh, you would pay, five, you know what I mean, $5,000 mm-hmm. for, for that one for, for the complete year. Okay. So you would keep a thousand flowering plants. And another unique thing uh, New Mexico has is the micro license, right? You pay a thousand dollars for two hundred plants. And oh. and and currently right. it was a hundred, but then because demand uh, regulation change, do you think they're going to walk that back, or do you think people are going to get used to running two hundred plants? And because like it. it Again, this is a survey and a hodgepodge of how we should go forward into regulating adult use. In, Me- uh, in, in Michigan, their class A is a 100 plant license, uh, which is quite small. You know, like, and then when you look at the smallest license in any given state, there is merits to it because that's going to dictate how much it costs to get into the industry. Uh, and I've been very impressed with New Mexico's ability to have this micro business license because you could get into the industry and recapture uh, retail while having a small footprint for cultivation. So, uh, Josh, explain a little bit more about what they're doing with this micro license. Um, the micro license is um, is a, yes, it's a 200 plant max, uh, and then you, and you pay a, you pay a thousand dollars for for the 200 plants, pretty much uh, on that side. Uh, it, what what it looks like far as legislation that's coming down the pipe is we're going to move it up to a thousand uh, because uh, we actually moved our plant count on the commercial side, the bigger production guys, up to uh, sixteen thousand uh, early, earlier this year, or mm-hmm. yeah, earlier earlier in the year or whatnot. So um, so that that's that's kind of the counter to having the micro license at two hundred being so low because it, it's it's written in legislation, so we have to go and change it in legislation. So we can make the micro license up to a thousand. But the, so- let me let me understand this thing because this this impacts my financial models. I know I'm going to cut you off. Uh, when you say 200 plants, and then this five dollar per plant fee, this whole year I just got 200 plants, or I can like I'm only allowed to have 200 plants at any given time. You're actually exempt of that tax plant, uh, the tax fee uh, or the tax, excuse me, when you're a micro producer. So when you're a micro producer, you don't have that tax. Only when you're a larger producer, or a regular producer. Um, do you have that plant per plant tax fee? Any anything over two hundred plants, it will you will be you you you're anytime you're over two hundred and we're talking about flowering plants. That's yeah. all. We're not talking veg. Veg doesn't count for us. Clones don't count. It's just flowering. It's just that's a great rule. 
Well, it's just the plants that do work. We, we, we've been pushing that, that for was years. My yeah, yeah. <laughs> we've been pushing that for years. Well, it would um, suck if they try to like tax you on something that got mites or some shit like that afterwards. Like, it's great that you just have this post, you know, rule of like taxing a a plant that's giving you product versus one that might. Yeah, it's, right. it's an agriculture. Yeah. No. So, so you know what I mean? It, co- it comes from growing and everything. So the 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 two hundred plants is 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 max for the micro license. They have two hundred flowering mm. plants. Um, so that that's a thousand dollars, and they don't have to worry about anything over the two hundred plants. Though goes to the five dollar plant rule mm-hmm. for tax. Okay. So anytime you go over two hundred flowering plants, you know what I mean, like in your license, like your models or whatnot. Um, that that's when you that's when you have to go up. And is that 200 you, plants a year? Is that 200 plants a cycle? Shannon, can you help time. us out understanding that? Like, how does that 200 plants get measured? Is that mm. per harvest? Because, like, I can make uh, a, a schematic for a grow where I have 200 plants in flower and I'm getting time. But what do you mean by 200 plants? Like, is that, and how is that taxed? <laughs> Again, yeah. I, I, you know, the, the plant piece is probably better with Josh. I'll, I'll tell yeah. you that much. I know more about employer employee information. The te- yeah. the way that they're doing it though is, and what Josh is saying, I can't say my, my part of it would be uh, to try to answer your question. It's a per year plant fee. Mm-hmm. Um, and these individuals are given the the ability to start up small, but they follow the same regulations. So whether you're a large vertical model or a small micro business, you're following the same, you know, law and regs, and you're also taxed the same. So you still bear that, you know, all of those um, taxes, the the 12%, you know, excise tax, and that's on a scale that within the Cannabis Regulation Act is the Cannabis Taxation Act. And so when you start to dive into that, you can see they've put the first three years on a 12% and then it actually goes up to 15%, I think by 2025 uh, or so. And these individuals also, you know, they still bear the brunt of 280E tax law and the cost of goods sold piece, especially Mm -hmm. in their retail establishments. Um, And so it's just one of those things where it gets them in the door and those plant fees being low really does help them. Um, But once they start to grow more than 200 plants, they're, they're going to become a, what's considered a large producer and have to start paying larger fees, higher fees. Now for you guys though, I think Chad and Josh can probably answer this better as far as like, are you guys vertical or is it horizontal? We're like, I'm only a grower. Like, where is this tax being hit at? Is it just the growers or is the growers and the people who own stores? Like, where are they being charged at? It's it's the uh, retail side. The, the excess tax of the 12% is on the retail side. Um, you know, the state just wants that money on that on, on that end. And uh, definitely, you know, we're, we're running like $14 grams running around here on average right now. Ouch. Oh, retail? Yeah. Making that money. Making that money, baby. 14 retail? <laughs> yeah. Yes, sir. If you have a micro uh, vertical, so you can grow it and then sell it for the 14, like... And so then, like uh, as as Shannon was mentioning with the 280E, you're going to have a couple different sets of books on this because that trafficking component is not the creating of the goods component, uh, but that you're trying to push as much into inventory as you can. And yeah. then there's planning that goes into it. Uh, and, and that's really interesting. I mean, um, so especially if you're, are you allowed to have like a website then where you could book the sales and then you can just have like one of the growers be like, you're off the clock, punch in, punch out for being a dispensary agent that we can't deduct. And that's where like <laughs> technology gets cool, you know? 
No, I'm not kidding. This is what we do. You know, like we we help uh, companies uh, throughout the country do these little machine things where you're Look like, around. why is it like that? Okay, oh. this in 1980, a cocaine dealer got popped, right? And you're like, <laughs> you have to explain <laughs> to where, where IRC 280 you came from. It's it's so ridiculous, but it's not as ridiculous as the real thing. Um, it's still there. For whatever reason, we are representing to the world, our children, everyone, marijuana, spelled with an H, is a thing, that's a drug, as opposed to being a plant, and it's equivalent to heroin. Yeah. What's up with that, you know? Uh, yeah, you know, uh, I I started off uh, as a devil's lettuce kind of guy. I, I, I come yeah. from a real, like, kind of a redneck conservative area. I beat up one of my friends at 17 for smoking pot. So it was definitely, I hope you yeah. apologized and bought him a joint. Oh no, no, no! Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I, I tried. I tried to give him a free hit to, to hit me or whatnot. Uh, <laughs> he was actually he works for the government now, so that's even funnier because uh, he was in in between jobs. So your beatdown worked. He's staying <laughs> yeah. away from it. Uh, and, yeah, and that's uh, like just he knew. Yeah. Yeah, he, yeah, he's wait, he's waiting for retirement, and in between, I, I I I I helped him out with some stuff I grew, and he so you know uh, he's still one of my best friends to this day. Um, so that's, you know, when I go talk to like, uh, you know, the municipalities, the city council or, or whatever, and especially in conservative uh, areas, I, I, I'm just, I go straight. I'm like, we need this money for the children and we need this money for another law, another law officer. And they just look not at only that. You need this money. So we're not lying to kids. So they get addicted to something that's much more difficult to get off of. And I like, killed a hundred thousand Americans last year, opioids. Uh, and, and so that's the real, like, why? Isn't this the first line in pain medication? Why is the first line over there? Which can, that's a, and then when they say slippery slope slope argument, you can go like, well, look at that one. Look at look at the, that's like a freaking slide you're sending these people down. And meanwhile, you don't want to change this law. You know what's up? Yeah. However, like you guys have prepared your market and your business for when that uh, veil drops. How many licenses? I mean, uh, Shannon, you, you mentioned that you're familiar with the regulations on this. Uh, how many licenses are allowed in New Mexico? They don't have a cap on the licensing right now. So um, they, they have an open portal. It's all online under the Cannabis Control Division. Any one of us can go and search it right now and see who's being approved, who's submitted, who's pending. It's all, you know, it, and, and we're in a beta phase with the software. So as these people are applying, I always joke that that's part of the cost, you know, is we're on the legislators beta, beta phase and their software. Right. And so we're just we're going into year one here and we're going to see so many changes right now. Um, but no, it's open market. And we've got people, you know, all kinds of folks with great innovative ideas, um, very mm -hmm. competitive. We've got some large MSOs coming into the state. All the usual business when we legalize, right? Happening, yep. lots of jobs, yeah. lots of people getting in um, and, you know, more competitive wages for these employees, too. So mm -hmm. things are kind of getting cool. And the consumer access with the ability to grow is certainly helping, I think, because, you know, there was a time when we were actually considering legalizing without letting people grow. And, and we actually did did 
you know, put that in there, which I'm very proud of because I think that's at least a building uh, building uh, block there, right? But oh, yeah. we do spend a lot of time stigmatizing in our marketplace and normalizing or demystifying, if you will, talking with the other side of the table a lot to help them understand, uh, you know, safety sensitive workforce, all that. How does the new law affect other businesses and and the opportunity. So it's, it gets fun for us three because we get to do the fun stuff and show up and really kind of normalize it, right? That's awesome. Uh, we're going to take a small 20 past the hour break and then about nine minutes past when it is. And then I want to kick off something. We're going to uh, do a juxtaposition between the two types of social equity that we've seen. This open market version where they're allowing uh, people to get these jobs, to allow innovation, to allow people to get open for business. And, and where I happen to reside and have won licenses. But we'll talk about that in the uh, back of this one. So as you know, uh, I am a lawyer and a consultant for uh, Collateral Base. We serve uh, companies all over the country when it comes to the cannabis industry and others. And one of the things that we've done is won some licenses in Illinois, which is a strange state relative to uh, New Mexico. And, and they're still locked in litigation. And there's this uh, organization called True Social Equity. Uh, and they have a, um, uh, a thing the day before 420, a rally. They have to do rallies in Illinois because there's no licenses. So they, they gave us this to check out. Has mishandled issuing cannabis licenses. They want an end to the cap on allowed dispensaries. Critics also believe a proposed corrective lottery does not fix a process they call inequity. Uh-oh. The right okay. to answer the Illinois cannabis industry should have been delivered upon fairness instead of gambling in the form of a lottery system. Supporters want to see applicants pre-screened based on true It wasn't even a lottery system. And a track for yeah, we'll get into that. Now, that's where we're at. Um, you have issued licenses. Uh, my state legalized it approximately, Illinois, legalized it approximately for adult use, not medical, uh, one year after uh, Oklahoma. Oklahoma now, four years after legalizing it for just a medical use has approximately 12,000 cannabis license holders and all those businesses and all those ancillary opportunities and all those other benefits, including the taxes, by the way, that we've talked about, uh, that, that accrue to the state of Oklahoma. Meanwhile, the state of Illinois has to have, you know, uh, press releases regarding social equity and not one new license has been awarded. There's 185 licenses locked in a lawsuit for dispensing. Only 40 craft grow licenses and the cheapest craft grow. This is the small model of, of Illinois cannabis. Um, and I shouldn't be ragging on it because, you know, I'm like, I'm in it. And so it's like, all right, well, there's that. And um, I still could say uh, it shouldn't cost eight or nine million dollars to get open for business because you have to start at a 5,000 square foot canopy plus have extraction. And so that's the smallest. That's the craft grow, and it goes up to fourteen thousand square foot flowering can. Damn. Uh, and so you're talking about moving thousands of pounds uh, if you're doing it really well. And then you have like those fos or foge. I'm not sure how they pronounce them. Lights, and you're just styled in. You could be doing close to nine thousand pounds a year if you have a fully canopied craft grow, and then you have extraction on that. That's nice. But why is that the smallest license you have, and why are there only forty of them? 
how has New Mexico? And then again, here's here's that's that's just a sandwich. Let me put on the mayonnaise. Uh, then you say only social equity people get these licenses. So now you're going to give these licenses to people that don't have nine million dollars. How's that going to work? Yeah, it, it, yeah. So the, the the reason why New Mexico took another approach with that is because we already did that on the medical side. It cost what was it eight hundred thousand dollars for a license? No, oh my god! It, it, it was uh. So w- when we first started in the medical world here, uh, we started real reserved. We had um, at first we were back in like two thousand nine, two thousand ten. Uh, we were real reserved, and we did ninety nine plants because because you know the Fed number was over nine, you know ninety nine. So we mm-hmm. did that for a little bit, and that and that wasn't too expensive. Uh, but then our last, our really our last hardcore, just to give you an idea, was 450 plants total. This was all plants, right? This was the vegetation, the clones, the flowering, and it was 180 thousand dollars renewal uh, license you had. Wow! Uh, and, and you know, and you can you can imagine we had 34 licenses in the state of New Mexico from 2015 to since we opened up for recreation. So there was no competition. I call them the dirty 30 because there was 30 of them. Damn. They, they, they controlled the market. I had, you know what I mean? I had the, I had the little open door meetings in the back rooms or whatever with them and was part of cannabis strategy teams with the state. So I was very involved with, with the, with these people and these owners and they were very on point with how to make the money, I guess, uh, with the 34. So, you know, when we went recreational, that's uh, that's why most of them, you know, have sold out to MSOs. They they, they know they they've never mm. competed in their life, as far as this industry is concerned. Uh, that's that's considering you know when you don't have any competition, you don't have no quality or innovation <laughs> or anything, it's right? A cartel. Yeah. It's a cartel. You're yeah, OPEC. And then like, I'm reporting from OPEC live from OPEC headquarters in Illinois, yeah. uh, and uh, it's and I feel um, uh, envy, but also fear. When I see a, a state like an Oklahoma or a New Mexico where they're going to be open, but then you're going to be ready when it's federally legal. You're not going to have the rug pulled out from you when yeah. it's federally legal. You have to start minding your margins as a business owner from day one. You can't rely on $3,500 a pound wholesale price. Mm. You know, Shannon, Shannon brings out the point that she says that the licenses are unlimited, but technically, because of your guys' water rights. Like, there's only so many of those, right? Like, right. find out how many of those, and you know how many licenses for growers. So you guys are vertical, though, right? It's, it's from the same grower to the, the, the store. Do you guys have, like, uh, other, like, growers? Like, the craft growers, are they selling in the stores? How does that grow? How is um, that for variety? Yeah, uh, you know, right now, we're just trying to get online. Uh, they're just really trying to push things. We've been, uh, we've had... You know, uh, multiple licenses a daily being, you know what I mean? I call, I'm call. i going to say just rubber stamped. You know, people are looking at it. We've had emergency rules like Oklahoma did, you know, changing things for people to get involved. Rubber stamping. Uh, the water the water right thing, uh, you know, it's per acre feet and everything. And then when you're in a municipality, you, if you're connected to commercial water, you have the rights. So you, okay. that's, so, so when you're in, when you're in city, in the cities and the, and the municipalities, you have it's easier to get involved than it is in rural communities where agricultural is done because those water rights down in Southern New Mexico are even leased to oil companies. Oh shit. Uh, yeah. I'm from, uh, down in Carlsbad is big agricultural, big oil area. And so I have, you know, family friends that lease their stuff to the oil companies and everything else, the water rights. 
So that's another competitive thing with the water. And we can't use the Rio. Right. Well, yeah. And there's, yeah. yeah. So the, you know what I mean? So the water rights are very competitive all the way around. Um, even like you can't just go drill a well here. It, you know what I mean? And, and have stuff like that because it is where we are in the desert. So I've had that question before. Maybe Shannon can help us out with this if she's uh, you know hip to the water rights issue. Because uh, you said if you're on the, the cities, then you have it. Uh, if you bought it, then you have it. What about if you have a well already? And Shannon, do you have, how does the water rights work when it comes to wells? I believe that you can use uh, well water, but at the same time, I, I, I think it's, uh, it has to be situated for irrigation and if it's indoor for commercial. And so there's a, a little caveat in there. And these guys can correct me if I'm wrong, because it's kind of intertwined. And once you get in there, they, you know, the, the state approves your license, but you have to get these other pieces approved by the office of the state of the engineer. Then you've got to go to your local zoning. Right. And, and your Miggy's completely right when he says, you know, yeah, it's unlimited, but it, but they did put barriers and obstacles to entry around this thing. Right. Um, and so that's where a lot of, uh, you know, and they gave municipalities the control too. So they can add additional taxes to these people. They can do anything they want. So that seems to be the bottleneck for people right now is getting through those water rights. Um, and a lot of them that were set up and they're like, well, I own my own rights. They're like, oh, but is it commercial? And now go through this. That's going to take 12 months. Right. And so that delays their process. And they're, now their investment is stretched from one year to two years until they go through that other department. Right. So those are the barriers. And, and a lot of that, um, you know, plays out in the regulations. What they did do is they took some of the um, some of that off of the application process to help them get through. But at the same time, that just leaves them approved as they wade through city and other state departments. Wow. Are you guys seeing municipalities then if they have the rights to like add taxes, like being greedy and being like, all right, 15 percent more or trying to entice the growers to come in and be like, all right, we're going to no, no enticement. Just fuck you. Well, uh, yeah, well, okay. so so it goes both ways. Right. There's there's some hugging. Yeah. And there's some straight (laughs) punching you in the face. Right. Uh, Stabbing in the back. Yeah. Uh, so uh, there's, there's, I know there's a place up north that even actually put uh, another fee on plants in, inside. Damn. There. Yeah. And, and then um, I'm working. I, I work with multiple companies all over the state uh, in, in the grow and the cultivation side of it, and any, 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 you know, anything I can do to help. Uh, and there's one, there's one in southern New Mexico that's a municipality that's. I can't say much about it right now, but there are definitely open arms about it. And uh, when that gets on track, that, that that project is when it's starting to, we can be more open about it. I'll definitely I'll let y'all know about it because it'll be it'll be huge for New Mexico uh, itself. Also, well, if, if they're yeah. southern New Mexico, is it a lot of investment being done in this one area because Texas? Well, <laughs> I'm just. Yeah. I really hope that oh, you yeah. guys you guys have an opportunity to create IP. You guys have an opportunity to create stuff that the future will need and thank you for. Uh, as you have a desert and water rights and a product that needs a lot of water, but like when it starts and when it finishes is basically without water. So all that water kind of in theory could be on a cycle somewhere. Uh, trying to you know track all of that and then reclaim it all because when it's shipped out, it's in eighths of an ounce, you know, dry. Yeah, or it, you've you've spun it, and so now it's like uh, an oil that you've then created an uh, an infused product with. That means that all that water 
it doesn't just up and leave. In theory, you can recapture how much can you recapture, what type of data can you track. These are things that we can't study in our, my state because we can't get open because we, we don't have these types of small licenses that allow a, a, a person or a group that has like access to a million dollars in funding as opposed to 10 uh, to, to then get open and then start doing their business and creating this type of unique IP. Uh, that's one of the reasons why I've, I've just been so like impressed with your, your state. But um, it's interesting to hear the levels of local control that are still out there. Mm-hmm. Roswell. <laughs> Roswell being one. Yeah. Roswell, New Mexico. Uh, what, you don't want any alien kush? commercial kush they'll give you medical but not commercial yeah 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 yeah. if you're if you're a med if you're an alien and a medical patient we'll hook you up (laughs) (laughs) you're a red patient you ain't getting it right now sorry is is there animosity from the medical side to the recreational side right now uh here and there (laughs) it's spotty it it depends who you talk to right uh i've been we've been in the medical side for so long that they opened everything up here's how i look at it anybody that's really angry at the rec side is because they're not doing anything you're you have enough time to complain and really just set you know be a facebook uh keyboard warrior (laughs) you're not you're not doing much because there's so much Mm. opportunities in new mexico right now um i mean you can drive down the road and just get hit by them if you're if you really want um oh yeah yeah, so I, I yeah, I look at it. I, I am I get along with the dirty thirty guys better than I ever had. Uh because you know, we're all we all get in the game. We all have a chance to play now. Yeah. We all get to do this and we're in New Mexico. Um so let, let's do it and let's be the this you know, I I let's like exporting to Texas in five years after they finally get their act together and we already got the, the, the rig set up and we just we hit print again, you know, what the heck? Exactly. Uh yeah, yes. you guys are lucky, you know, but it's and then you, you terrify me when I'm trying to invest in the, to limited market states. And so like if I'm Cresco, GTI, uh, Columbia Care, whatever, I'm going to not necessarily like this because now I'm going to see, um, you know, the price per pound just like crashing. And I'm like, wait a second, we needed that price per pound up here. We made these promises to these preferred class shareholders. We owe them this much next year. Um can't they have like I don't know a neutron bomb something that just wipes out their infrastructure you know and and that kind of stuff why did they set it up that way it just seems so silly yeah. but um, it's a completely different set of problems that we have just trying to get open versus okay now you're open you had to spend all this money to get open and you got kneecapped because you can't compete with like twelve hundred dollar a pound of wholesale you're like okay well who set this up? Yeah. <laughs> quality too. We got in Oregon five hundred dollar pounds that are quality. Like yeah. one day you guys will be there, but I mean it's amazing to me that these guys can meet that kind of price point and still uh survive. But yeah. uh, greenhouses are really good. And yeah. greenhouses might be really interesting in um uh, New Mexico. Uh, uh, what is anybody familiar with the climate in New Mexico? Because I've heard really good things about the climate in New Mexico for greenhouse cultivation. Well, there's two different. We have northern New Mexico and southern New Mexico. The, the climates are kind of different. You have northern New Mexico; it's closer to Colorado, like their climate, and then southern New Mexico is dry, um, very arid. You know, less rain. Uh, even the landscapes are different. Behind us in the background, this is actually the Oregon Mountains here in Las Cruces, and you know, it looks different from where Shannon's at over in Albuquerque. And Josh, I know he wants to say more than what. Uh, yeah. Uh, 
if you get down, you know, I, I'm just, I'm a cannabis nerd far as cultivation side of it. I, I, I love it. Uh, you know, I, I've been to Medford, Oregon. I actually had a grow out there. So I get that nice. side of it too. Yeah. Uh, and, and like I said, and I've been in multiple states. Uh, I've been very blessed with that. Uh, in New Mexico with the greenhouses and the new technology with the, the photobiologists coming in and all that great scientific stuff because it's changing the morphology of the plant and changing the way it looks and how, how it's producing everything. Yeah, New Mexico is going to be going to be a big hitter for for feds. Like when it goes federally legal, and you know, and I can see some of the MSOs and stuff going to come here. Watch uh, all of us battle it out, find out who has the brands, and then come and come and yeah, come and start writing. Well, checks. the IP, the IP could also extend to the uh, acres of well, that, that's just regular collateral, but uh, the, the methods that you would actually be able to put those things up and, and operate them. Uh, and then if you do a race to the bottom and then, or I mean, anything, business is such a fragile thing. Uh, remember, Xerox, they don't exist no more. They were huge ones. Uh, and, and as a result, uh, something can go wrong over time. And you might be on top of the world in 2019, come 2024, you're busted. But you guys don't have much competition down there as, as far as good grows, too. I mean, so, Josh, you were in Oregon. I mean, I drove through from Texas, driving through New Mexico and, and Arizona, and I had, of course, buy some recreational weed in Arizona, and it was garbage. It was, <laughs> I mean, it was still better than brick weed, but it was garbage. <laughs> it's like, uh, no, it is. No, competition here is very limited. Uh, you, I mean, it's bad. Uh, you know, it, it's a backyard boogie. Uh, the Dirty 30 never had any competition. That's why me and them would get into it. And then, uh, you know, I, I come from a, a management, uh, the restaurant world, you know, food and beverage and stuff. So I'm used to small margins. And so, right. yeah, I, I just, you know, when I got into the cannabis world, I was just amazed at like how bad these guys consistently do year in and year out. But it's because they, they do. They, they're getting their vertically integrated. They're getting the 4500 to, you know, $6,000 a pound because there's nobody else out there. And... Uh, you know, even in the um, even in the black market, you know what I mean? It, it, it wasn't real strong. We're not a very populated state. There's only two yeah. million, you know, right over two million people. Our population density is like 17 per square mile. And you got to understand 50 percent of the population's in Albuquerque and Santa Fe area. Damn. So, yeah, uh, you know, that's like down here in Sunland Park. We're calling it Little Dubai. A uh, hundred mile radius, there's three million people, right? In this hundred mile race, so there's more people in that hundred mile race in the entire state of New Mexico. Uh, so, you know, you, you know, you kind of look at it. You don't have competition, like in uh, Oklahoma. We just got back from Oklahoma, and that's why I oh, told wow. Chad, I was like, "You wait till you see what they're growing out here. These guys, these guys have been competing. This is this is a Thunderdome. If you want to yeah. find, you know what I mean? These guys that are competing and they're doing it in small margins, they're throwing quality down." Uh, and yeah, and, I, and we showed him, and I was like, "Yeah, see, this is what this is what it is." And New Mexico yeah. has no idea; like a lot of them have no idea what's about to happen. So <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm excited for it just because I love competition and and just you know what I mean. If you really believe, that's how I look at things. If you really believe, you're yeah. doing it right, nerding it out, you know, down to the seconds and knowing what you're producing per, you know what I mean, grams cost to the very least per pennies. You know, you got to know that stuff. Like you said, it's business, you'd be on top, and yeah, next thing you know, yeah, it's, it's eight hundred dollar, five hundred dollar indoor pounds. Yeah, HPS is not that HVAC ain't so smart no more. <laughs> Competition makes better products. It's better for the consumer. You know, that's we had that here in Washington where we in the medical times, it was like Oklahoma. You know, uh, when in Oklahoma first before they even passed medical, I was out there for a Seattle Hemp Fest uh, uh, party thing and uh, they had a uh, CBD legal in that state. I've seen so many 
I knew Oklahoma was going to turn because there were so many CB stores. It was like Starbucks here in Seattle. I was like, holy shit, every sign's a green sign. Like, what? But it's just CBD. Like, yeah. what a tease. But then they did medical and they've done it like Washington, where you get your script. Now you can go in business if you choose to, or you can just be a patient like you choose to. You know, that's the, the barrier is what the problem is. Why you have limited varieties and limited business and competitions. And, you know, today would yeah. be a good day to pass the more act. Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It would cripple our investments in, in Illinois, but still at the same time, yeah. uh, it would, uh, it would be well, not really because you'd still have time. I mean, look at, how long it took for uh, the regulations for hemp to be written. And there's no way the Morax passing. I mean, it's never a, a bad time to decriminalize cannabis and just leave no regulations because that will create nothing at the federal level. And they can sort that crap out for I don't care how long it takes. And then every particular state is doing their own little thing. Uh, and, and, and that's fine with me. That, that, would, that would buy us six, 10 years, you know? Yeah. And then that stupid algorithm that's keeping us down would go away. Oh, that's, yeah, that would be so much better yeah. <laughs> for everybody, for all of us. In the Have you guys ever tried to organize anything on the internet about uh, this industry and had any issues? Oh, we've had all kinds. Um, like recently yeah. hasn't been too bad, but there's been people trying to do events in the state. They'll make a post, get a 30-day ban, you know, or, you know, try to send us something, get a ban. I'm like, oh, that's ridiculous. Seriously, it is. There is an algorithm out there. Like, could you imagine if that active, like, if Facebook was like, we hate trans people? No, nope, we're going to make an algorithm. Just if they ever try to have any type of organization, ban them for 30 days, they, vi they violated our morality code. No, seriously. But then this has just been there for decades. I mean, like, uh, I met Miggy uh, 12, 13 years ago now. MySpace. And then, you know, he was already an activist. Yeah, Tom from MySpace. Surprise. Uh, but uh, uh, the thing is that, uh, you know, these years later, you just see all these other rights that come and then they just they get their rights It's because they're able to organize and all this other stuff. And you're like, man, why is it so hard to legalize this? Maybe it's because there's this algorithm that's out there whenever we try to organize and then send out these messages like any other group does. Yeah. We're banned. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You, you got to hand it to Oklahoma, right? They, they did that oh. initiative and got, got people's signatures and stuff. Uh, I was really impressed with them out there, just how aggressive they were about it. I mean, and on oh, yeah. everybody. And, you know, the, the, they're voting on it November 4th for the for the recreational side, I believe, uh, right. is what's coming up. So, uh, yeah, I was, I was impressed because, you know, before, you know, you're looking at state mandatory minimums. Like, you had anything to make even extracts, you're going to go life. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> and then yeah. they were like, Hey, 2,500 unlimited plants, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I was down. Farmers. Yeah, I was meeting farmers that were like, that devil's lettuce is bad. Next year, they're like, oh, I got 100 acres. We're going to yeah. get this stuff, you know? Like, oh, boy, get it. I just need a two-year residency. <laughs> yeah. no, they have, like, lease backs on that crap already. We like the uh, we should do a video, like, one of those how to cannabis sections where it's like, here's how Oklahoma's working. Uh, and then you just see these deals that they set up. You're like, neat. But uh, I really like that type of model where they're embracing the future as opposed to like pretending that it's going to stay at $3,000 a pound wholesale. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. It's only smarter to, to go that route versus trying to seriously. Yeah. It's like, I tell Tom, it's like, there's no broccoli mafia. Eventually one day we'll be able to get clones and all the other shit. You know, I, I just bought clones for six bucks, little tiny babies. And it's like, you know, to me, I'm in the future for some people, like in Kentucky. Where you say, say with you guys now, you guys are in the future compared to like Texas. Jesus oh, man. way in the future. 
And then we owe it to our other uh, states that are in the prohibition area. It's the same thing that happened. But then can you imagine if, damn it, Facebook, if this was like slavery. And and so can you imagine if Facebook and slavery existed at the same time for whatever reason? Oh, Jesus. And so uh, they're like, whenever you would say we're having an abolition rally, ban that person. They're violating federal law. (laughs) That would just have like elongated it even more, you know, and you just you see that and you go like, wow, as soon as you make something a crime, then like you have this accomplice complicity aspect of it that they're using uh, these these pipes, these internets to to do this type of like, again, it, I, it pains me to remind everybody, but this podcast is a federal conspiracy. Uh, we we don't mean it to be. Uh, we we don't. It's like you know we're, we've talked about how to get into a business, and that business, of course, is trafficking a Schedule One substance. And I apologize for that, you know. <laughs> Even though it's legal, I'm sorry. State. Our children deserve better. <laughs> it, I tell patients or, or people in the industry a lot, you know, especially with the border checks here, you know, in New Mexico. Yeah. Like, oh, you know, we're going to be breaking federal law. I'm like, guys, you're breaking federal law just being in the industry, smoking the plant, mm-hmm. having it at your house. We're all felons right now. We're all criminals. Right. Like, yeah, it, where does it stop? Yeah, I, I just moved from Lincoln County, you know, Billy the Kid country. Like I tell people, you know, enjoy being an outlaw. Come on now. <laughs> yeah. This is this yeah, is our, our whole country's outlawed. Let, let's be straight about it. We, we're tired of it. We're gonna do our own thing. Okay. What was it? The fucking uh, NASCAR shit. I mean, that's made by outlaws, right? Like we yeah. embrace this culture of breaking the laws, but yet we want everybody to follow the rules. And and, and this, what is it like a oxymoron that we constantly have every day, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, we're just trying to be normal citizens. Like, I don't want to go to jail. Don't want to get my life fucked with. Would love to travel across country with a bag of weed, personal use, officer. But you know. Doesn't happen, can't happen because stupid asses were in charge a long time ago. You know, yeah. separate drinking fountains were a thing. Uh, you know, this doesn't make this law right. What the fuck? Remember when women were property? Ooh, Yo, they had they had a fucking right to vote. Well, you know, I was watching the abolitionist uh, a special on how women got to vote, and it all came down to like Tennessee or some shit. You know, the parliamentary process is so elongated and fucked up. Mm-hmm. That you know the people in charge. What was it? The Democrat uh, uh, recent uh, thing that said like sixty percent think it all should be legal, but then like twenty percent thought like oh, it should be a priority. What other fucking thing in this nation has people behind bars, is ruining lives? You know there is no crisis at the border. There is no you know this. It's all bullshit. Fucking scary Fox News bullshit. Whereas legalization is truly the one thing that would put us all on an even kill. You know? Well, it, it would be sense coming from Washington. It would be like sense, which is just in short supply these days. It's worse than water in New Mexico. And, 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 and it's like, you just want people to not be freaking dumb. And you're like, oh, do you we have to learn it all? Do we learn it all? Yeah. We had a, a, a gentleman, I have a gentleman and his wife that were in the, helped me really deal with the politics of this. Cause you know, I yeah. was just like, geez, this can't be real. And uh, you know, there's a way things should be and there's a way things are. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. I, I was, I was just amazed about like in the political world of it. I, I was like, these guys are, are these serious? You know, like, well, I seen a book about marijuana one time. So I think we should make this rule. <laughs> right. Well, like, in, 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 like but they're regulating now. everything. Yeah. They're regulating people's bodies. They're regulating like books. They're regulating the cannabis plant, taking the word cannabis and all of its facts and sciences, ripping it off, putting in the word marijuana, and then placing it next to heroin and go, 
Well, we're going to put it there for the next 52 years. <laughs> well, that's wrong. Yeah. That's where we're putting it. And you're like, yeah. and, no, definitely. Well, even at the college level, the students that are taking classes that are coming out now, that's a huge gap right now. We're t- you guys are talking about competition. We're ahead of our time, like three to five years ahead of our time. And like, you look at this thing and if you want to study it, first of all, we're writing the textbooks as we learn more because we're just now able to do the R and D because yeah. we're not going to get thrown in jail for studying and creating data around it. It's like, what the fuck? And then yeah. you look at it and you say, okay, now these students want to up and come and get involved. And we have a major labor shortage with the pieces around, you know, executives, management, culture. Oh, yeah. That's where the competition comes in. Obviously they can't touch the plant. All they can study is concept can only study concepts so much so you look at the financial aspect and the federal legality has it so that the money's not coming down the pike so the schools right. are putting it out right so it's just this huge layered mess that it's a huge but yeah. they want the the universities are having an issue they want to attract a talent the talent wants to learn about the subject mm-hmm. the university's business model depends on federal loans for the student loans Yep. Yeah, and so, so they have to discriminate against those people that are studying cannabis. You could be in a business degree program and add a cannabis law class, and they won't cover that law, cannabis law. Jeez. Why? Because you're being taught how to sell a uh, federal one substance, right? Yeah. It's it's totally screwed up. Well, even and then, then the, the IRS is incentivized to audit these people, mm-hmm. and so like they really don't care. They're going to make double money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But even on, on on a medical side, right? Is it is the endocannabinoid system being taught in in schools, like regular schools, as part of like your, you know, it's more entwined than your nervous system. But yet, yeah. we're not we're going to ignore this whole body part, like you know. What year? What what correct? But then again, like it's been so long since I was a kid. Um, uh, when did we learn about the systems of the body? What grade was that? Where it's like. This is your digestive system. This is your circulatory. It, there was some grade. It was back like then. health class in like middle school where they started yeah. teaching us about the reproductive systems and all right. that. You know, so the neurosystem. They need yeah. to add that layer. Remember the the layers of the, like the vein, the veins and the and the bones, right? And then you have the endocannabinoid system. Surprise! Like just pops up on you, you know. Right. Well, it needs to be done. It needs to be done because that's honesty with our kids. And right. then everybody's always like, think of the children. Don't you can't have this dispensary near a church or a preschool or nothing like that or a house. Think of the children. Well, we try. We're trying to. We should tell the children they have an endocannabinoid system. If it goes like out of whack as they get older in life, might be really helpful to know this. You know, um, it's up there with gut health. We should teach them that. We'll, we'll, yeah. Why not? You know, like, what school board do we have to run for? of medicine in their own schools um, at some point, right? Some states do, some states don't. If the if it's an underage medical patient, you know, needing their cannabis, mm. a lot of these children are homeschooled and that's a big cost on their parents, right? A big burden where they, they're, they're kind of ousted, right? And so they got to... Yeah. So we did, we passed a law in New Mexico, I think it was 2018 or 19, and the public um, ed department and the nurses were like, that's great, but we're not dealing with it because we don't have the education, right? So, yeah. and it'll, it'll harm our, our licenses and all that stuff. So it's just a screwed up thing where that's why we, we have to continue to talk about it. That's why your show is so important because you have to continue to talk about that and and really kind of get it out there because, you know, Seriously. we have been mistreated and we do deserve better. And the advocacy is very important. 
Yeah, Google anything I say, you'll find out most likely it's true, except for like Canvas gives you superpowers. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I say the a lot of shit. Industry lawyer hair. The only way that I got this hair was from weed. Like, uh, I'm going to go to Locks of Love and I'm going to tell them, you know, you can twist that up after I donate it. And then uh, and they're going to be like, hey, um, so this weird hippie just came in to get his hair buzzed. And <laughs> they won't care. No nobody nobody knows know? who I am where I live. It's great. Uh, and so uh, uh, it's, it's Peoria, Illinois. Like, I just go outside. Mm-hmm. They're like, that guy probably doesn't have a job. But why does he look healthy then? I went to college in Naperville and I lived in St. Charles. Did you go to what's the name of the college in Naperville that's in the, the CCIW? Is that where you went? Uh, North Central College? No, I went to the Anderson School of Business. It was a, just ah. a specialized accelerated program. And we were there in, in Aurora and then Naperville. Cool. Wow. Yeah, yeah, there's a, it's one of the schools I went to Bloomington. And so like there is this, this conference called the CCIW. And so nice. North Naperville had one called uh, North Central College. I, I went to school once and then uh, and, and people were like, what did you grow up to be? A federal criminal. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean that to happen. It just was because my country didn't get off its duff and do the right thing, you know, and, and I've, I've been very like poignant on this so much so that, you know, like uh, I'll give Miggy crap and I'm like, we should talk more on the show about how our podcast connects people so that they can change the world for a positive betterment. And then we'll talk about not conspiracy theories, but we will talk about like how we're being censored or like why this is wrong. And so it's uh, it's a it's kind of a, you know, getting into the industry or like changing your mind about cannabis uh, really opens up how you see things and, and makes you question what's really going on. Uh, it, it, so much so that after you've been in it for so long and you've tried to make money out of it, you just become really jaded uh, where you're like, yeah, sure. It's going to be legal. All right. I'm not holding my breath. It's going to be legal though. Yeah. <laughs> one day, one of these days, one day. sometime in the future. Yeah. We yeah. still well, you guys have the future now in New Mexico. That's yeah. the, run with that. I really hope that we, we have you back on in like three, yeah. six months and you're reporting on these awesome new developments and this great stuff that's coming. And I'll be like, you know, remember that lawsuit from Illinois? Still there. <laughs> going on. Still there. Well, yeah. We just had uh, the first consumption lounge open up yesterday here in New Mexico. So they're nice. allowed to consume indoor, outdoor. Uh, I've seen them dabbing, uh, you know, pre-rolls, uh, stuff like that. So yeah. that'll be super interesting because we get to see what consumption lounges really are. Like who plays out, right? What really yeah. – is it going to be a cigar bar? Is it going to be playing video games? Is it going to be a coffee? Like what? what is, what is a real consumption lounge in cannabis? We all have our own ideas, right? But well, what's it going to shuffle out? Like, I want the, flights, you know. They've had them here in, in Washington when it was medical, but what you guys, what the real data they're going to be looking at is how many people died afterwards. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, how many accidents, how many mass explosions, how many whatever, you know? Yeah. And, dude, we, we had consumption lounges here for a good eight-year solid. Matter of fact, there's still some places that you can do things, but it's all, everything's on a deal. And yeah. if it was an issue eight years ago, you think they would have legalized it here recreationally at one point? No. It would have stayed the stigma. It would have been like, Yo, all these fuckers are getting high every day and crashing into my fucking cars and don't know what they're doing. But instead, no one knew what was going on. You know, uh, there was markets. I could have been a grower. I could have been anything. But I was like, 
I'm lazy. I'm an American. I like my hamburger already made when I go through drive through I'm going to do things the way it should be done here. And um, it never, you know, I, I just never had that opportunity. I never took that opportunity, but there was that opportunity, which is the unfortunate thing because it's no longer there now. I'd have to buy a half million dollar license or whatever to get in the industry. Just like, but it's constantly changing. We're, we're shaping the rules, like you guys said, and, and we'll get there in the other end. It's a lot better than it was, though. I don't have to buy brickweed out here. Well, uh, one thing I'll give you, Washington. I was out there in uh, August. I work with the Native Americans here here in New Mexico. Okay. And, and because you, you know, uh, in Washington, you know, there's a Native Native American tribes that are involved in the game. Yeah, they got uh, a treaty with the state. Yeah. So, so we we have a uh, we just had a intertribal agreement signed a, a couple weeks ago here in the state of New Mexico. Uh, so nice. we're working working through that. But see, they got raided uh, by the feds. This what? last summer for six plants mm-hmm. on the res on, on on the res yes sir that, that a- had to be some shady crap between yeah. the, the law enforcement and then their contacts it's and new the, mexico yeah yeah yep. i'm just surprised that the the tribe stood for that shit it. that's fucking crazy no like when the when so i like as i've never been a criminal law uh, and so i'm strictly business but i did a lot of litigation and so like you know I, I'll make referrals out. And then you see like the fact patterns that come in from some of these raids at the DEA. You're like, man, that's some hubris right there. I mean, like, I don't even know why they would have thought that they're going to get away with this, but then they, they do stuff. And, and so, um, that ain't right. How they're being trained ain't right. You know, but with the nation, I always figured, I always wondered like why they always wait to ask permission from the white man. Like you are the nation. Like, you know, it's like, I had a friend in the military who was, uh, I believe, Sue, but he would go home on leave and do peyote and then, and then like come back and it was already okay because yeah. like it was in the thing. But uh, I also knew Rastafari who couldn't smoke weed. So yeah. it's like, you know, who you recognize and who you accept. I was like, I just never understood why the res is. But the fact that they got raided, man, that sucks. Like the fact that that power exists that you can impose upon. Well, then again, you do live in a southern state where uh, Tom doesn't have what we were talking about in the green room, border checks. You know, yeah. like. I grew up in Southern California. I grew up with board checks. And you were saying you were, when you, Josh, you were delayed for a, a little bit because you had weed on you? I, I have been before. Uh, okay. But I'm actually, uh, we're, I'm talking to another, uh, some, some new companies right now because I had somebody up north reach out to me for some new companies because they're worried about going through the border with their sample. And I, w- I was, that's why I asked. I was like, are you pulling pounds or just samples, you know, testing samples? Uh, I've been in the game before, yeah. you know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, yeah, I was like, well, and they said samples. And, and I, and so I was like, well, we just need to explain to them. This is, this is part of the game you're in. Like I ain't yeah. trying to tell you to do anything illegal, but you signed up for it already to be outlawed. So, uh, sure. you know, if my business depended on me trying to figure out a, a very, you know, allegedly way going through that checkpoint to get those samples on the other side to where they needed to be. I, I don't yeah. know. I, I mean, I guess the fairy dust would fly right over. I'm not pretty sure. <laughs> Man, I, I, the stork brought it. Yeah, you know? exactly. exactly. Yeah, you know, the, the, the magical New Mexican dragon. Right. Did, you can prove are two totally different things. Yeah, exactly. I've been in many times, enjoyed every minute of it. <laughs> and, right. And I've actually been, oh, it looks like we lost Shannon for a second. Um, oh, no. Uh, oh, I hope she'll be able to join back. She probably lost connection. Yeah. Um, but I've actually been held up at the border checks before. I didn't have anything on me at the time. And I was coming from El Paso to back to El Magorda. Or you're back, Shannon. There you are. Yay. <laughs> and, the internet and probably didn't like what we were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> 
And um, they searched the car. You know, they, they harassed me, of course. You know, mm. they tried to, you know, uh, intimidate me. They kept asking me if I was in the military. You know, I used to be in the military. And I straight up told them, that is irrelevant to the situation. Stop asking. Yeah. And um, a lot of people don't understand. They think they see Border Patrol and they think, oh, my God, it's a cop. They're not the cop, the Department of Homeland Security. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I've yelled at those guys several times, you know, because they will try to overstep their boundaries with you. And you're like, no, fuck off. And I so hate that you shit. tell them that. Huh? It, well, just the fact that they asked you if you were in the military, I hate that shit because first thing they would have done is pulled you to the side and called your base. Like, that's fucked yeah. up. You know, yeah, like, exactly. And that's why I told him, I was like, stop asking me that. That's irrelevant to the situation. Yeah. And so he stopped asking me that. Really I, I, I think it's funny because they'll search your vehicle or whatever. But if they don't find anything in your vehicle, they can't do anything with you. <laughs> and so. If you allegedly have something in your pocket. <laughs> but even if you had it like in the back seat, like say, what is your legal possession amount in that state? Uh, so if you're a patient, eight ounces in public. And I say in public because there's a different amount at home. And two ounces in public for anyone over 21. At home, as much as you want. Okay. So I just you guys have a sensible possession limit. Some Like our jurisdiction still does not have – like, and so um, – uh, Shannon, you, you you mentioned you're a lawyer or, or you're on on that field. Uh, do you have like the citation for that? Because then I need to show the people in Illinois and be like, that's how you legalize it. What you guys did was just make like you prohibition f- with perks, right? Prohibition. It's like yeah. here is your legalization. It fits inside this. If it can fit in here, it's legal. That's it you know uh where you're allowed to announce and then if you go over that and so like colorado recently upped their ounce levels to i think like three and a half ounces or something but you guys have actually made it so that if you're at home those don't apply because you might have a medical grow there and duh like if you bring down a couple of plants and you're allowed a couple of plants you're gonna end up with more than the possession limit you're not just gonna be like oh here's my ounce throw the rest away because we already did that um they tried to limit us when we had ppls on how much you could keep from your harvest we had to technically destroy anything over what was it eight ounces right yeah yeah so so we had in the medical world we had ppls personal production licenses um at one point you would have to get if you didn't own the home or anything you would have to get the uh, owner of the home to, to sign off on it Oof. you know you could you know violating hipaa all this fun stuff yeah. and so yeah you were allowed that we were allowed eight ounces uh, to, of usable material, right? So being a PPL grower, I would uh, I would grow and, and stuff would come down. And so I would make sure anything over that eight ounces, you know, because what's usable to you, right? I, I might like a year cure to be usable. So, yeah. uh, you know, some of that stuff would be set aside, not usable for a year in a bag. You know what I mean? I, I have it dated. Uh, <laughs> what terpene profile do you want sitting on the shelf for a year? You know? <laughs> he wants that CBG and CBN. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need some nighttime, right? Maybe not that CBN in there. Come on, yeah. sleep, bitch. Yeah, yeah that's right. So, that, that That is my sleep protocol. That's yeah. it. You know? So let all you know, the THC turn to CBN. It takes about a year. Yeah. So, so in the medical, we went through that where, you know, and we fought for it and uh, uh, different different uh, rules and regs and, and laws and stuff where, you know, a, a medical patient was allowed to have their entire harvest because if they only grew outdoor once a year, you know, to use it because we are a poor state also very poor, very limited funds with, you know yeah. what I mean? And, and medical patients are on that lower end. Um, so to have them be able to grow up once a year, keep all their medicine, make all their oils and everything and be able to keep it was a big thing to us. 
and, uh, yeah. and and then be able to, to, to a gift is how we did it in the medical world. So you could give it to people, you know, because some people are better growers than others, or they had the right variety for whoever's elements or whatnot, and be able to gift that to them uh, was a big thing. Or different oils and stuff, really, really taking that compassionate act and using it. And you know, like now, even now, we have the recreational program, which we all know it. You usually they usually kill the medical programs, right? Yes. They, they definitely hurt them quite a lot. And so I hear that from the medical patients, and I'm still a medical patient. Uh, but the way I look at it now, everybody gets to grow, so we can uh, help everybody. Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? And tra- share and transfer is how we do it now on the recreational side. We're not allowed to gift it or anything. We're allowed to transfer it to each other. Huh. What's the difference? Just, you know, the words. You know how I do it. You know, you know, words. Those words. I'm going to loan it to you. I, want I didn't give it to you. I transferred it. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Well, what did you get in consideration for this transfer? Without You're supposed to back me up. Yeah. Yeah. So, so no, you know, uh, so we've, we've gone through all that. We've been lucky that I guess, you know, in the hindsight that our medical program was so restrictive and just crap. Uh, then it helped us really prepare, put a good foundation for our recreational program that we've rolled out. And, uh, you know, our, our governor's help, uh, she put out, you know what I mean, quite a bit with uh, the different, uh, like Shannon was part of the uh, legalization uh, task force where they, they took people in the industry and had them go around the, the, the state and, and actually even went to Colorado, I believe, and check things nice. out to educate people nice. to, get, to get where we're at now. Uh, so, you know, it, it's been a lot of people and a lot of different all over the state, right? We could talk about all the negatives and stuff. We have a real gangster lady that I call her Valerie Valerie Hubbard that's been here. You know, <laughs> she, spent, she spent five years, uh, you know, she getting hot growing. And uh, she she's realistically one of the reasons we have what we have here in New Mexico, but on her own. Like she We're is going to get her on the show then. Yes. Oh, oh, her into other jurisdictions because, like, I uh, I don't, I mean, I don't mind the, the, these, these markets like Florida or Illinois. Uh, or, uh, you know, Ohio or Pennsylvania, New York. We'll see on New York and New Jersey, like, white wind up. But where they they are embracing a lie and they are making financial models off of it. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's not cool. When you need to be ready for Oklahoma pricing and to be able to make it in that market, because that's what the actual industry is. The actual industry isn't this. Who in Oklahoma thinks of their cannabis business as a consumer packaged good. Because that's like a sizable portion of the people that have MSO experience. They're thinking that they are a consumer's packaged goods company. Uh, it's it's. They don't care about else. the culture. They don't care about the, the product really at the end. Do you guys, can I buy weed today in New Mexico if I were to show up there? Is there a store I can, out of state, yeah. just pop in and buy weed now? We can go to a consumption line and smoke with you if you want. Oh, we shit. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I got to check out New Mexico. When do you guys have some good trade shows coming up? Um, they're bringing back the Lucky Leaf Expo this fall. But okay. to, to be honest, we have cannabis events almost every weekend and week going on here in New Mexico right now. Good. Really pick, like, pick it. You know, whatever your date is, 710 maybe. If you guys want uh, to let us know. What are you guys doing at 420? It's going to be busy. Uh, we're gonna, we might be here in town. There's something going on in Hobbs, but I don't think we'll make it to that. It's like three hours away from us. I'll be working. Yeah, and there's stuff going on in Albuquerque. Um, so I have no clue, but there's all kinds of stuff going on here in uh, New Mexico. But world. no lie with the North uh, uh, New Mexico Canicast? No, uh, no, no lie from a, an event or anything? Uh, no, uh, no. I, it's, it's been so busy for me because I've, I've had uh, multiple places. We've had multiple places come online as far as getting their licenses and, 
and getting we're, all we're in hustle mode right now yeah. Mickey. We're, so, we're in the moment of capture this legalization month mode oh yeah yeah <laughs> and, and then like in the cultivation side you know i, I i'm hardcore in the production side like we even get uh rebates on water uh like hydrologic uh, from Hawthorne, we'll get a 50% wow. rebate by using using high-efficiency water stuff. We're one of the first states to do that. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of good rebates on the LEDs and the DQs to make sure you get all that fun stuff. And then, like you were talking about water, you know, out here in New Mexico, it, it, we'd rather take that acre foot of water and grow it indoors instead of outdoors in alfalfa. Because, like, an acre alfalfa is worth, like, 1500 bucks or something. Okay. So we're already working with, uh, even on our outdoor stuff here, uh, we have like 40 acres we're working with in, in Las Cruces here. So we're working with the farmers wow. already. I, I come from a farming community and I don't want to cut farmers out. You know what I mean? These guys got to make a living and stuff too. And the pie is so big, right? Let, yeah. let's, let's let these people get in. And they've been farming this land in this area longer than I've been alive. So what am I going to tell them about? I can tell them about the plant, but I sure heck ain't going to tell them about the area or what's yeah. going on around here. This is what we need, guys. What do y'all think? Y'all know what's coming. Y'all know when the wind's going to blow this way. This is what I'm mm. trying. I just give them that. This is what we need for the plant. So well, we're trying to cannabis in the soil in new mexico is good because right because cannabis absorbs all the the bad shit like I've, is it very rocky out there is is cannabis going to help benefit to like add nutrients to the soil out there it depends on the part of the state i mean the state we have so many different uh, climates you know northern new mexico is like i said like colorado then you got the plains on the east and the west and you got southern new mexico where all the green chilies grown and you know all that you. stuff so and then you got the the trinity site you might have some glowing cannabis yeah, yeah. Some radiation. <laughs> you got the you got the little radioactive you know, that's like super weed. You might have some unique things. When I was in Oklahoma, Mickey would go and be right about them superpowers. <laughs> Make my beer glow. Yeah. Yeah. That's that fast acting shit. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Give you a new thing. Talk about fire. I'm feeling a little warm. Should, should oh, people be asking where their shit was grown first then in Mexico? Like, where'd you? Maybe, maybe. This wasn't grown in Carlsbad, was it? <laughs> we have regulations, Mickey. Don't you remember? <laughs> right. You're not allowed to use uranium when you're farming cannabis. Oh, my God. I mean. That's how you get the THC numbers in the 50s. What are you talking about? Get track comes this big. <laughs> yeah. It was like an apple, I swear. Bigger than my penis. <laughs> Well, I really hope that the industry in uh, New Mexico continues to just explode and becomes one of the uh, states to look toward when they're trying to say, how should we legalize this in a way that like, you know, because when I'm quoting somebody to help them get in, I'm like, yeah, I really don't need to give you like a package deal where it's going to be like 50 bazillion dollars to get in. Uh, I can do this hourly, maybe 15 you know, uh, and it's it's nice. And then, of course, you're going to have to call some people because, you know, I'm not going to I'd probably call uh, Josh and be like, Josh, here, uh, how many lights? What, what do you quote them on? There? And then you get the, the, the electrical and then you have to get the water. And so usually that's one of the, the hang ups. It's like, OK, guys, we have to do some math here. Oh, God, we do so much. Yeah. Math. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, construction, pricing, building, take a break. Oh, We're oh, 20 oh, somewhere in the time. central time zone. And that's how we can smoke on the air without smoking on the air. <laughs> still get flagged. It doesn't matter. Yeah, uh, wait. We already got. We didn't already get flagged. Did we? we were still live. But no, they, I'm just they saying. usually wait until we hang up. You know. Yeah. Um, 
Is I'm indoors. So this, I got, so I have, I've been fortunate enough. I, I had a good two days where I had a friend from North South Korea come visit me. And uh, we drove around and visited a bunch of activists that are in Washington area because oh, cool. everybody's been shelled up because of COVID. So, uh, uh, you know, so I got a lot of free weed yesterday from friends. So good for you, man. Yeah. Life's good. That's I can't nice. complain. Next yeah, time I'm but, in Washington, I'll have to hit you up, dude. I have a friend who's totally. a longtime friend, so I go visit sometimes. So, yeah. Oh, fuck yeah, dude. Let's we'll smoke one out. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's yeah. not so scary. You know, beginning of the pandemic, you're like, everybody's going to get sick. But now you're just like, everybody's got Everybody the got sick. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Now we're at events smoking these creative joints and stuff. Look at this four-pound joint. Oh, yeah. Seriously, dude. There were some good... I like the ca- the caviar ones, you know the oh, big fat. Yeah. Oh, yeah. well, so yeah. Yesterday we smoked a cloud, and then I, then the cabanas. I never. Yeah, all these things. It was it, it ended up three ounces. So all together. Oh my was, goodness. Yeah, it was some of them. You see what open markets do? Sure, yeah. you're only going to get thirteen, fourteen hundred dollars a pound for your wholesale, but a lot more is going to be moving. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's, well, sharing is caring, and that's the thing you notice about the cannabis community that doesn't have like the seed to sell, permanently regulated type bullshit. Like here in Washington State, believe it or not, we don't have home grow, we don't have lounges, yeah. and we're one of the first states to fucking legalize it. Yeah, because they still think it's the zombie apocalypse or whatever. But you know the fact that you guys have lounges, and I believe Colorado just started doing lounges as well. So it's gonna be, they would have been here quicker, but then it was COVID because like even, yeah. even Illinois was gearing up to start having lounges, and we we have I got a couple of clients that are in lounge areas in Illinois, but they they need more dispensary locations. There's just there's like a oh, 12 million people, 110 dispensaries, which oh, uh, is just terrible, just terrible. Yeah. There's, there should be thousands of them, but you know one day, and and I you know it's it's been great having you guys on. Uh, I got to get going but uh how do people find you so that they can get in touch with what's going on in new mexico cannabis well you can find us on pretty much everything at nm Canacast. um so youtube twitter uh instagram even facebook and youtube um we're on spotify we're on uh, google we're on all the major um podcast stuff and everything like that so you can find us there and if you guys want um i can send you the links you can put it on the description if you'd like Totally. Well, we have to be careful on that. That was also one of the things that got our videos literally taken down. Uh, And so if you put the wrong link on a YouTube description and YouTube goes like, no, and and then they will yank that that video and then ban you for a few weeks. So uh, I used to put links back to my blog posts at CannabisIndustryLawyer.com. Uh, and and I had to stop doing that because they started deleting the videos and and banning us for weeks because I would link back like how to get uh, how to open a cannabis license in New Mexico, link to the article how to open a cannabis, and then uh, you're just not allowed to help people. I guess yeah. Yeah. YouTube is a is a crappy place right now with the, you know the way the federal laws are. So I hope it changes at some point soon. But don't know. say that loud. They might catch you. Oh god, you're right. Seriously, all this social media. We're gonna be like, oh well. You know, we just tried. gonna disappear from this whole segment. Dude, like he cut his hair. I knew I recognized him from somewhere. <laughs> right. Do I grow the hair out, then I cut it off, and then I grow a beard? It's like if you just keep shifting how there you look, you it won't catch up with you. Yeah. Next time you show up with some sunglasses or something like you know incognito like what? Yeah, like the the 420 scene. Yeah, hey, what's happening, guys? I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, your channel got deleted. I was just ripping you off. My bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's the stupidest uh, shit awesome. that I can flag. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, you know, I wanted to thank everybody, and especially the people tuning in. Um, it's a holiday weekend, so hopefully everybody got to see their family and have a good one. Uh, and then also wanted to thank everyone who tunes in, and especially our members. They go into our credits. Uh, tune in soon and check out New Mexico. Schedule a yeah. tour over there. They're having some cool things. Hit us up. Tickle, we'll see you guys. Tickle that like. Melissa. It's a lot of people for uh, holiday. Holiday yeah. weekend. Oh, man. Now we had 70 people watching us. Uh, oh, really? 70? 73. Oh, and then it, then it trickles out when people like throughout the week will watch it. We'll get a K within the four or five days. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, we need to go fast. Too, so. 